0: so excited about what Jesus is going to do through him and i know you know this but it's good to just get your head in gear that the lord gives gifts to his church to equip the saints for works of ministry and for building the church and it's really important that our thinking kind of upsizes if you like yeah. to the god's thoughts that will help us to receive what we need to receive uh, this afternoon and tomorrow. And I'd like to just declare, Jesus is the same here as you read in the Bible. And you know, in any crowd, in any group of people, disciples or otherwise, wherever Jesus is, incredible change is possible. If you remember Jairus and the woman, he receives through hearing a word from Jesus. He came to Jesus and he received a word. The woman received from the presence. It doesn't really matter how you receive, it matters that you do. So whether it's from the word or the spirit and just the presence, the gift, the grace that you're going to be under, which is the grace of the Holy Spirit actually. I believe that you can expect God to do something in your family, in your circumstances, and in our community as we follow Jesus together. So let's just stand, and we're going to pray together, just to focus on the Lord, and uh, just draw your thoughts from being in this room. Just—I <laughs> know we are in this room—but just draw them onto the person who's the most important here. His name's Jesus. Our Lord, we we honor you. We honor you through the presence and power of your spirit in each and every one of us. We honor you that you're the giver of every good gift. And we want to thank you for the good gift that Pastor Andy is to your church, both here and in other places. But Jesus, we recognize and want to pull out of him by reaching out to you this afternoon every good thing that you've placed in him. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. And like that woman, we can touch the hem of your garment. We can have that reach on the inside and with our mindset and fixed on you to receive something that will change our lives. And Lord, we also thank you that you are working through your word, through the words that come from Pastor Andy and through him that, Lord, there is going to be a dynamic power of faith here that will release the raising of the dead ministry, the life, the resurrection of Jesus in our life and in our experience. Lord, thank you that you are building your church and we declare the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, let's clap the Lord and receive Pastor Andy. You're welcome.
1: Thank you, Pastor Judith. It's great to be with you. You can take your chairs, and um, we've got a couple of hours together, which is always a joy to um, have time with the leaders of a church. And uh, yeah, we're going to try and cover a lot of ground today. Uh, greetings from uh, Gina and uh, the family and Family Church. They will send their regards down to you because we're all one big happy family, aren't we? And um, yeah, we're going to cover some ground today. I want to just talk a little bit in the beginning, just stir your hearts a little bit with a thought, and then. L- a little bit later on, after a cup of coffee, we'll talk about um, some stuff to do with focusing with church and that, and uh, it's just a joy to be with you again. It just seems a long time since we were up here. Well, what are we dealing with now? Like a couple of years, and s- three years. I saw you all on Soul Winner, Well, a whole bunch of you. Did you enjoy that? Boy, that's great. Yeah, we've had 2,300 households and small groups come through it now, So it's just brilliant. So I'm going to keep on doing that. I'm like, well, it's better than having watching Netflix on a Wednesday night, isn't it? I sit. At, you saw me sitting at home in my living room, like talking to people. I'm like, "This is great. This is good. I can do this all day. Brilliant." Right, I am going to take my top off so that we mean business here. Is that good? <laughs> right. I want to share with you a thought or a word concerning prophetically what I'm hearing at the moment. Uh, for for me, for you, for us. And I really believe it's an important word. And I just want to give a greeting right now to those who are listening, because I know that because of COVID, some can't be here, but leaders are going to be listening to this after a fact. So give them a good cheer, those who are. (laughs) There we go. And uh, these days, you know, we've learned how to uh, be hybrid in ministering, haven't we? That we do it live and then we use media and all that stuff. And we need to stay tuned into that moving forward. Again, for us, some of the stuff that we were doing online, we just stopped as soon as we could meet together. But other stuff, it was like, no, this is quicker, this is better. So we've got to think ahead of that. Now, what am I hearing at the moment in my heart? I'm really, um, as we're looking at this moment that we're in, hearing very something very specific, which is just simply, it's time to run. It's time to run. Yeah. But not just run, run our best lap yet. Because you can run, all right. I'm just going to preach you guys a little bit happy today to start the day off if that's cool. You can run, but you can run just because you're in the race or you can run to win the race. And I really believe that God's speaking over his church right now. Listen, we're not in the season that we were in. This is a new season. This is a new season. Okay, we're managing some remnants of the season that we've been in, but we're not there anymore. And we've got to live true to the season that we're now in. I wrote a verse down, which is not unfamiliar to you all, in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And it says, And the sons of Issachar knew yes. the season, yes. but also knew how they should respond in that season. I really believe that's a word for the church today, that we need to know what season we're in. Now, for some Christians, they're still in the former season, but that's done. Yes. Like they say, that's so last yes. year. We need to understand that we're in a new moment now, even though we're still managing with some isolations, I get that, I'm not denying that, but we're in a new season and we need to be dressed for the new season. Now that means we've got to dare to pack away our COVID slippers and put our Issachar trainers on. Alright, this is what we should be wearing in this season as leaders in the house of God. You know, the year of COVID slippers, it's so last year, it's done. Burn them, don't even put them in the wardrobe. It's time for us to be wearing Issachar trainers that say, we know we're in a new moment. And we know that God's doing something in this moment. God's teeing up for something in this moment. And we're not just going to be people of aware of a new season, but people who know what to do in this season, and we may drift into some stuff in the next session concerning that. But I really think that some of the church, they reckon that in uh, England, I was sharing this with a pastor earlier, they reckon that one million Christians haven't returned to church yet in England, which is interesting. But actually, for me, watching the people that have come back gives me a greater joy than that statistic. Because what I'm seeing is people coming back that have come back, and they're saying, we've got a job to do. Come on, let's get this thing strong. Hey, we didn't appreciate meetings like we should have appreciated them. Hey, we didn't appreciate gathering and being together. And they've come back with a great tenacity, no apathy or complacency. They're coming back and they're saying, come on, we've got a job to do. That excites my heart. But I'm sad for the one million that are still sitting there, not the ones who genuinely can't return because of COVID issues, but those that got used to sitting there on Sunday morning. Some of the stuff that I've heard from people, I've actually given up being polite now. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I just I just found a new mode of spending time with my family. That's ridiculous. It doesn't honor God. Honor God. Stop being stupid. Give God back what belongs to him. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's and God what's God. Come on. And you know, I'm not going to tolerate with that foolishness anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got full understanding and a big heart for those. We've got people that are still on our online congregation because of uh immune problems in their lives and stuff like that i'm not saying that it's one size fits all but i am saying to those that should be back and won't come back because they can't be bothered and they're apathetic you need to get your gaming gear and get back in the church because god is doing something new the season that we knew that we all thought was going to last four weeks that ended up being 18 months (coughs) i was in america in january and a pastor said to me do you know that we didn't meet for 18 weeks i went 18 weeks Eighteen weeks. I said, Did you ever hear that over the other side of the water? It was eighteen months. But we're out of that season. And we need to live like people who are the other side of the door. All right? Now when I think about this moment, I'm reading through and I'm I'm reading about Joseph. (coughs) And Joseph had a lockdown. We read about it in Genesis forty one. Joseph had a lockdown. He experienced a lockdown. Now, he was a man with a dream, but he found himself in a lockdown that he had no choice over. And I went, yep, that kind of felt like that. We meet in a public school, so even if we could have been like, come on, let's do it, the school wouldn't let us in. You know, we were subject to other things because we didn't have our own buildings and certain stuff like that. We were in that moment of doing the right thing because the government told us to. That's authority, the well-being of people. We were balancing all that stuff with you. But boy, when we could meet... We said, will you let us on the grounds? And they said, yeah. So we did church out on the field. And it poured with rain. And I'm standing there. This girl lent me a Mickey Mouse umbrella. And I'm holding it and I'm preaching. But no one's moving. They're all getting saturated because they were so excited to be back together again, you know. (coughs) But we need to understand that Joseph had a lockdown. But he knew his lockdown would come to an end. And when he was in lockdown, he was getting ready for the other side of lockdown. To me... During lockdown, I got ready for the other side of lockdown. So that when the door opened, I came out. What's a better way than bat out of hell? Dove out of heaven. I came, I came out of lockdown like a dove out of heaven. It'll be gone when the morning comes. You know, floor, I was out. That's because I knew it was a season that would come to pass. This wasn't the final end of all days. Now, Joseph, when I imagine him in that moment when he was in the prison, we all know the story of Joseph, right? We're all familiar with it. You've read the book. You've read the chapter. You've seen the stage play. Everybody know about the story of Joseph? Let's just give you a quick test. I close my eyes. Pulled back the curtains. Yeah, you're on the same page. We're all there. Now, Joseph was in that moment in the prison where he'd been falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused? I have been and was and uh, it's not funny. It's really not a funny time. It's really not a funny time when you're accused of something you're like, I wasn't there when it happened. I-, I wasn't there when it happened. It didn't happen like that. And, and so Joseph's in a prison time and he's walking around the prison cell and he's I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I'm not guilty. But he was in a lockdown. He was experiencing a lockdown. Now imagine the other people in the prison. Because all we have is a glimpse into Joseph's life, which is a picture of us now. And other people in the prison have gone fetal in the corner. <laughs> <You> know, <coughs> that's some Christians today. They've gone, COVID. And Joseph's like, nonsense, nonsense. He's still prophesying. The baker, the cupbearer. Uh, granted, the baker probably wished he hadn't gone... and sought his counsel, Um, he's still active because Joseph was in the lockdown doing press-ups in the corner. You had the guy over in the corner gone fetal, COVID, COVID, with his COVID slippers on, they've welded to his feet, all right, no intention of future. You've got other people sobbing in in the other corner, but Joseph's walking around and he's doing spiritual press-ups because he knows he was given a dream and a promise and it hadn't yet come to pass. He didn't know how, he didn't know when, he didn't know who would be involved. But he knew he'd received a dream when he was a kid and that dream hadn't come to pass. Which meant that door was going to open. He didn't know when, but he said, I'm going to be ready for that door when it opens. I'm not going to be like the guy in the corner. COVID, COVID. I'm not going to be like the one over here. I'm going to be, and I see him walking around going, come on, come on. Let's do a workout. Let's let's be praying here. Let's be talking. God, you gave me a dream when I was a kid. And that dream hasn't come to pass. And I know it wasn't a me dream, it was a you dream. All right, I shouldn't have told my brothers. That was a bit of a mess up, but we're (laughs) past that. We're past that. I've grown up a bit now. God, that stuff, you know I didn't touch that woman. She grabbed my, my coat. She grabbed it. And I left it behind. And now I'm in prison, falsely accused. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't there. But he's watching that door. Every day he's watching that door. I don't know when, but that door's going to open. When that opens, I'm going to come out of it like a, heaven out, a dove out of heaven in the morning. I'm going to go When that door. And he's walking around. and every, uh, This guy's still every morning. New day. COVID, COVID. Uh, I'm going, I've just given up. What's it all about, Elfie? He's walking. I can't hang out with you guys. I can't hang out with you guys. That door's going to open because God gave me a promise and I haven't seen what he's promised yet. Which meant, I don't know how and I don't know when, but it's, it's going to open, it's going to open. And he's getting ready. He's prophesying over bakers, he's prophesying, he's ministering, he's using his gift. And then all of a sudden, in verse 14, the door opens. Because what had happened behind the scenes that he couldn't see, you know that God's working behind the scenes for you, right? God was bringing together the guy that he prophesied over but totally forgot about him. It happens. I've been in ministry 30 years. You're like, you know, hey, glad your life's great. Don't forget. Remember pastor that walked with you when it was all going on? Ooh. So you've got the leader of a land over here that's getting a dream he can't understand and everyone that works for him is an idiot and they can't understand it either. They're charlatans and idiots. Then all of a sudden he's got, he's got a, I've got a dream. Somebody needs to tell me about this dream. And all of a sudden, B-I-N-G-O, I had a dog and his name was Bingo. This guy turns up and says, I know a man. I know a man. Who's that man, the one walking around the prison going, that door's going to open, the door's going to open, the door's going to open, and when it opens, I'm going to be ready for this door to open. All of a sudden, the cupbearer, and this happens really quickly, get ready for some suddenlies. All of a sudden, the cupbearer comes before the leader of the land. you know the story? says, I know a man who could answer your dream. They said, send for him. All of a sudden, Joseph's walking around lockdown. He's walking around lockdown going, I don't know when, but that door's opening because my story ain't done yet. My story ain't done yet. The story of this church ain't done yet. The story of my ministry ain't done yet. It's not done yet. I, I don't care what's happening. COVID man in the corner. I don't care. I'm not putting on your COVID slippers because I'm not here to stay. I'm not here to stay. I'm keeping my Issachar trainers on. Keeping them on there. I might release a brand of trainers. I could become million. Issachar trainers. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Anyway, no, we'll, we'll let that one go. We'll let someone else have that one. And... Uh, And all of a sudden, they send for him, and it says, when you read through it, and suddenly the door opened, and they said, you're needed before the emperor of the land, the leader of the nation. And it says he came out, he showered, but he went straight into this moment where he came before the king, and the king said, you can answer my prayers. He said, I can't answer any of your dreams or anything, but my God can. Here's the interpretation for your dream. Can you see how fit he was? Because he never went into COVID mode. He never went into 18 months off. He knew that this was a season that would come to pass. And he was ready for the next season. So when that door came out, he came out like a dove out of heaven when the morning comes. He came flying out. He said, all right, yeah, I've been prophesying in prison. It's good to have a bit of a, a different audience, actually. Um, oh, so you're a leader of a nation. Let me tell you what's going on in your dream. This is what's going to happen. And... In a moment before the end of the day, he'd been promoted to second in the country, only over the leader himself. He was the second in charge of a nation. The Prime Minister that he saw in the dream was now actual in his life. I bet he was glad he didn't quit in lockdown. But actually, he was ready for the moment at hand. Sons of Issachar, they knew the times that they were living in, but also how they should respond. And then suddenly, he's just leading a nation and everything's coming to pass. So I really believe that's a real snapshot for some of us, that what I'm hearing over us right now, right, is very much, get ready to run. If you need to get changed, get changed. It's time to run. But here's the key bit that I felt God speak into my heart prophetically. Oh, don't just run. Set your heart to run your best lap yet. Now, when I look behind me, there's about 30 laps. Been a minister about 30 years. And I look back on some of those laps, and I'm like, that one a bad one. That was not a bad lap. That one, that year, was not a bad lap. I look back on the others, and I go, I don't even want to talk about that one. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there, God. Yeah, I'm like, I just don't want to go back to that lap. Let's do, please, please, ministry, ministry, ministry. I don't want to go back to that lap. That was an unusual lap. I look at other laps, and I'm like, I was such an idiot in that lap. And then I look at other laps, and I was like. I was flying, but the issue was pride. I can see that now, Lord. Yeah, There's many laps behind my life. And I've repented of some of them. I've celebrated others. But actually, God's saying to me, forget what lays behind. Reach forward now for the prize. Reach forward now for the prize. What's the prize? The lap I'm in. Because I understand that this is a new season. And you need to understand this is a new season. We need to have our trainers on. We need to be ready for action. Because what God's about to do after he's been resettling the earth, the church leadership in the earth, he's going to move by his spirit. There's going to be a mobilization of the people. We're going to see salvation. People getting born again of the spirit, no longer putting their hands up in church. We're going to see an incredible move of God. But the problem is there's some people still in the prison cell of COVID going... COVID, COVID. No, no, no. That's not me and you. And I don't care if you're sneezing when you're saying it. It's not me. It's not you. This is not here to stay. I've got my trainers on. The whole God's doing a new thing. In my church, God is doing a new thing. In Kingdom Faith, Southwest, God is doing a new thing. And I'm going to stand with the runners, not those who are still wearing slippers. Now, if you're here today or you're listening today, it's because you're a leader. And you need to take position with the other leaders and make sure you've got trainers on and you're saying we need to now run our best lap yet and i'm just speaking that over you today this is your best lap yet nothing's over nothing's done this is just a transient period from one moment to another but what god's going to do in this next moment is going to be insanely good and anyone that's still sitting in lockdown is going to go what am i doing here But it's going to be too late because when God moves, he moves. I want to be in position for him to move through my life. So we need to be ready to run. Now that's an interesting word because that word run speaks to us as a group of people. But also I believe it speaks to every leader individually. You see, if you can get run into a cell, you'll have run in the body. Now, God's not just saying run your best lap to the body. He's saying it to every cell. And that means that every one of us need to come before the Lord and say, forget what lays behind, the good and the bad. God, let this be the lap. Let this be the lap. Let this lap make sense of the last 30. Lord, let this be my best lap yet because it's your best lap for what you're doing through me in the Spirit. So we need to be ready to be um, running our best lap together and to me, that's really around mission. I really struggled this year with my annual Vision Sunday. We all do them, and they're important. You know, it's the beginning of the month, the year, January, February. Hey, it's Vision Sunday. Woo. I didn't have a woo in me this year. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, I don't know, why is there not a woo in me? So when I went to the Lord, he said, because this isn't time for vision, it's time for mission. And actually, sometimes we make vision what it shouldn't be. Vision should only ever serve something bigger than itself, which is mission. And the moment we make vision the main thing and we forget mission, we've actually forgot who we are. And I really felt this year, God saying to me, I don't want any new vision for the next 12 months. I want you to bring the church back into alignment with the mission that I gave the church 2,000 years ago. See the lost saved, see people discipled, see captives set free. Come on, let's face it, if we all busied ourselves with that, we'd get a lot done. Yes. So actually, I haven't got a vision statement. I've got visions that accompany a mission, but this year, we've gone missional. And it's like I was reading that book I wrote 10 years ago, God's Blueprint. I was like, I think I wrote that for today. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I thought it was for 10 years ago. But when I'm reading it, I'm like, wouldn't change a thing. This is a really good book because it's all about the blueprint church, it. the mission people. So we need to understand this is about us being in our right track and track is what god wants us to do in our generation we can't be on the track in wigglesworth's lane we can't be on the track now i believe there's a journey for every leader and it starts with us is no one should be in the bleachers or in the spectating sitting down area that's not where you run that's where you fantasy run that's where you identify as a runner Because apparently the ideology is whatever you identify as, you are, right? And so once you identify yourself, it makes you something, and then you license your life to live true to it. I tried being a 12-stone weightlifter, and I really identified with it. (laughs) Trouble is, when I took my shirt off to go to bed, everything denied the evidence (laughs) and the truth of it. But not even the government believe it, because you should be able to walk through an airport and say, I identify as a vaccinated person, and they should let you on the plane. So it is a flawed ideology. Actually, it's not. It's a kingdom ideology. If we could have people to identify with a new creation, and the dead person they are in Romans 6, risen to newness of life, then we'll begin to change the earth. But I think that's a different message, right? So again, we can't identify as runners. We've got to be runners. To be a runner means we move away from the bleachers or the spectator area. That's where the crowd sits and we get on the track. Now that's good. We're on the track. But if you're on the track in the wrong lane, you're going to trip people up. We want to be on the track in the right lane. What's God need of you in what church needs of you in this season you're in? We don't want to be in that lane. Tough. Stop acting like a sport child. Get in the lane you need to be in. Uh Run your race, which is also our race. Run our race, which is also your race. Now, we're going to look at some verses in a moment on this. Because I really believe Hebrews 12. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is one of those classic how to run properly verses chapters, isn't it? eh? Paul also speaks in Corinthians about don't run aimlessly. If you're going to run, run on purpose. But in these verses in Hebrews 12, I love it because it introduces us to the church that went before us, Christ himself, and then us. Is this okay? Are we all right? Are you feeling encouraged? All right. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Isn't that awesome? That's that kind of imagery. What I see when I close my eyes is, not that it is this way, but this is what I love to imagine. All the saints who have run their race prior to me leaning over the balconies of heaven saying, get your slippers off. Do you know what moment you're in, Andy Elms? There's no time for apathy, complacency, lethargicness, excuses, fears. We're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses or cloud of witnesses. It says, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Church, we have a a race marked out for us now that wasn't marked out for Wigglesworth or Catherine Coleman or even the Apostles of old. This is our race. This is our lap. We need to own our lap. Because the great crowd of witnesses are people that owned theirs. Many of them give in their lives for their lap. And they're leaning over the bannisters of heaven, figuratively, saying, Oh, you can't get up because you haven't got any shredded wheat in the. No. You can't come to church because the milkman didn't deliver the milk for your cereal. No, I don't think so. Let me tell you about my life. Even Paul would tell us when he goes through his CV his resume. We've got to get rid of this excuse culture yes, and just say, the Lord has need of us. Yes. Let's get in this. Yes. But then it just keeps getting better and better. And it says, let us run with perseverance, a race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pace setter, isn't he? Yes. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Yes. Did, did you ever go to the greyhound racing? I know you shouldn't because all, we're all born Christians. But if, if you did... Yeah. <laughs> They've got this funny little thing in the greyhound race. It's just like this white, fluffy, it looks a bit like a Westie, doesn't it, or a rabbit. And, And all of a sudden, the bell goes, ding, this thing takes off on a mechanical track. And then they let the greyhounds out and they, that's the pace setter. Respectfully, the one seated on the throne is our pace setter. We don't look to man to set our pace, as a people, but also as individuals. We look to the one who's the pace setter who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right-hand side of the throne of God. I love those verses. It reminds us of all of the saints that ran before us. Many of them giving their lives for their lap. It then reminds us of Christ himself. His lap was pretty horrendous towards the end. 100% God, 100% man, felt everything man could feel through the corridors of rejection, betrayal, hung on a cross, brutally assassinated, criminals' death, but he knew it was a part of his race because of the joy that was set before, which was you and me. But we can't just live looking at those that did their lap and ignore our own. We've got to say, what's my lap? What's my lap? How have I got to run? I want to encourage you in this season Make sure the slippers are out of your wardrobe, so you have no temptation to put them back on. But you've got your trainers on, your Issacar trainers, and you're coming alongside your leaders, and you're saying, "This is our best lap yet." Oh well, we've only got two people in church this week because of a COVID outbreak. This is our best lap yet. Oh look, a thousand came this morning because this is our best lap yet. But we're not moved by what we see. We're moved by what we believe, and our confession is based in what we believe, and not on what we see. We're not people of senses. We're people of faith. Yes. We believe in what God is doing even before we see it happening. Yes, yes, Lord. We yes. speak and live from our spirit, yes. not from our flesh. Amen? So we've got a race to run. And this is the most exciting times. So I'm like, whenever you really want a good drama on the stage, you put a really black backdrop up. Yes. If you really want something to shine, yes. if you really want something to shine, you put up a really bad black, uh, backdrop. And actually, Sky Media, Sky News, BBC, they've all put this huge black screen up behind us of things that are all going to go wrong in the next 24 hours. But actually, the same one who caused light to shine out of darkness has now shone in our hearts. This is time for us to shine. And again, leaders out the front, leaders out the front, it's time to shine, it's time to light up. You know, I was looking for um, uh, a good worship song just to inspire myself coming up. Do you know which one I chose? That's not even a Christian one. It was that one run by Leona Lewis. Light up, light up, as if you have a choice. I'm like, go on, Leona, preach it, sister. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, she doesn't even go to church, does she? but, you know, it's that time. It's that t- I feel that. As I was, I, I actually, I'm a very random person, and I, I can go from, on my, on my, um, a music layout that I've done, my playlist. It can go from Bethel to Leona Lewis. <laughs> it's just me, and I'm in the car coming up here, going, "Light up, light up." As if we have a choice. We don't have a choice. We've got to light up. Yeah. We've got to run. And the name of that song is actually called "Run." Yeah. The name of that song is called "Run." So there we go. Let's sing it tomorrow morning. That's going to be an awesome, <laughs> incredible moment. Line up, line up. Anyway, we've got a job to do. This is our best lap. Come on, I'm just inspiring faith in you today. This is our best lap. We're not going through the motions. We did that in the 90s. This is our best lap. We're not, we're not settling for comfortable Christianity. We did that in the early 20s. and uh, This is our best lap. The world needs us. The world needs us. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken to reveal that which can't be shaken, which is God and his kingdom. We're kingdom carriers. We don't hide in prison cells in the corner going, COVID, COVID, COVID. We're running through the doors. Open that door and like a dove out of heaven, I'll be gone when the morning comes. I'm coming at you fast and furious. If I irritated you before COVID, hey, there's a new me. There's a new me. You know. People said that we had to all discover our inner bias. So I did. There were certain things I didn't like about myself, so I changed them. I changed them. Come on, this is your best lap. Come on, we made it through. Come on, come on hearing Barry Manilow now. I made it through the rain. Kept myself glittin'. Some didn't make it through. We made it through. I mean, I actually sit there sometimes and consider the original race of me as a sperm getting there and beating millions of others. That's even before I got started. Apparently it was millions. I beat every one of them and so did you. I am a winner and it's just incredible. I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even trying. Can't even swim that well. Can't even swim that well. But I read it. I felt, I don't know if it was God or me, but something prompted me to study that a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, flipping it. there were millions of them. And I just broke out in front, (laughs) saw the goal, bam, beat all of them. That's before I was born. How's you too? That's your testimony, sitting in a chair. Before you were even born, he knew you, he fashioned you in the womb, he caused you to be a winner. You beat more people before you were born than you'd meet be in your life. Come on, it's got to be right, is not it, eh? Man, I feel like running around the block now and just slamming into a wall or something. I don't know. <laughs> Pow! And that won a bad lap, but I've got a better one in me. Oh, that, was a, that won a bad lap, and that was before I was even born. But I can feel a better lap in me there, because that was flesh giving birth to flesh. This is now spirit giving birth to spirit. But, and listen, we've we got... in am going explode in a minute. Just tell Gina. He just went... He just went, he was preaching. He was preaching on the race of fertility and then he just, boom, he went. Even Pastor Colin would be laughing now. He would. He'd be trying not to, he'd be trying not to and he always did that with me, he'd be like. And then I'd see him twitching. I'm like, you? That was my gift to him and boy, it can't match a gift he gave me, but there we go. All right. So, hey, we're out of the bleachers. We're on the track. We are the church leadership. We're not fighting over what lane we want to be in. We're saying, what lane do you need me in? Because we're running as a team. Listen, if we've lost some players during COVID, I'll take their place. Give me their baton. Pass it to me. Pass it to me. I'll run. I know I did this years ago and someone took, but I'll do it again. I don't care. Put me in a lane. I want us to have a group win. But then Hebrews, it's brilliant, it says get rid of a bag. It's Genius in Hebrews 12. Yeah. It actually addresses two things separately. Get rid of the bag that you could be carrying and the sin that so easily could ensnare you. See, if you get on the track, in your lane, that's great. But if you're wearing a backpack like a Royal Marine, and you ain't a Royal Marine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Royal Marine, Stuart. yeah, but you're not one. Right. Nor am I. Put one of those backpacks on me, I'll be like, Norman Wisdom. I like, Mr. Green, Mr. Owl. i will be like, that's what some Christians are like. They're like, yeah, I'm out in the bleachers. I'm on the track. But I can't move. I've got, well, get the stuff out the backpack. Get rid of a backpack. I've got all these regrets. Well, get rid of them. Lay them at the foot of the cross. I've got all this stuff. Lay them at the foot of the cross. I've got, guess what I'm going to say? Foot of the cross. Foot of the cross. But, uh, foot across. Foot foot cross. I'm waiting for your lips to foot it across. <laughs> get the stuff out of your bag. Unforgiveness. Get it out. Get it out. No time for that. We've got to run. We've got a race to run. Well, I don't like the way that person looked at me. They were asleep. Uh, <laughs> what are you seeing? I mean, the person was fast asleep. They didn't look at you. Let's get that stuff out. Because it slows us down. But then it also says there's sin that easily ensnares. Try and run with your foot in a bear trap. <clears throat> You'll be, Stacks is ill, but you're going to be really going quite slow, especially if you've got a backpack on as well. you would be like, the Quasimodo mode, you know. Oh, he's talking about sin. He's talking about, sin. no, I'm talking about pride. I'm talking about arrogance. I'm talking about other things that God says, and not kingdom life. Because if you run with someone hanging onto your leg, it makes it a really hard race. Get rid of a bag, get rid of whatever's hanging onto your leg. No one's accusing anyone of gross sin today. But it's amazing if we were to bring out God's chart of what sin is, we'd go, really? Pride, stuff like that, greed. The Holy Spirit so beautifully makes us aware, doesn't he? Never to condemn, but to convict us. Come on, let's get on the track. No bag. Nothing, nothing. Everybody doing okay? Let's talk about your race now. Because (coughs) not only have we got a race together, but do you know you've got an individual race? Every cell of the body has its own race. This really awoke in me, actually, (coughs) a very, very strange place. It was... Pastor Collins tribute service. God did something in me at the end of a service. And it just keeps on rocking my world. Because I discovered something that I heard about when I was 12 before I backslid, but no one's taught on it recently. And it's called the winner's crown. You see, when we forgot to teach the winner's crown, we had to come up with church initiatives, positions and titles to get people to do what they should be doing. And what we need to do is get people to understand there's a crown that waits for you in heaven for the lap that you run. But we live in this culture, what do I get out of it? Nothing. There's a crown in heaven. We need to get our eyes, and this is really still rocking my world at the moment, but what produces my run isn't initiative and promises of this earth, but the thought that one day Jesus Christ will give me a crown for running the race he gave me to run. No, not Billy Graham's crown, that's his. Yeah. Andy his. Yeah. And so I'm sitting in Pastor Collins tribute service, which was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. I think I was talking to Colli- uh, Clive afterwards. He said, what do you think? I said he would have hated it. Yeah. He would have absolutely hated it. It was right, but I was at his birthday party. Remember that one, yeah. the 80th? The final speech on his 80th. It was was classic, Pastor Colin. We'd spent a whole night of everyone saying how he'd impacted their life. And I knew it was coming. And he saved the last speech till the end. And Pastor Colin gets up with Caroline next to him. It was brilliant, genius. And he stands there. This is 80th birthday. It's all about you, Colin. This is what you've done in our world. It wasn't me. If you were loved, it wasn't my love. I had none. Talk about bringing the party down. <laughs> Talk about bring it down. If you've got anything, I didn't give you anything. And Caroline's there oh, Colin, she's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. But when I looked at his tribute service, it was worthy for the call on his life. But it was so well done, he would have hated it, if that makes sense. But it was when they read this, this verse. Something twitched in me, and I've not been able to stop it twitching, because I actually think it's a cure for the modern church, as in why we do what we do. Now, Paul speaks this over his life, and I thought it was a perfect verse for Pastor Colin. I really did. I thought, that man owned this verse. And it says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, the winner's crown, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That's awesome, isn't it? But then it says this final statement. And not only to me, but to everyone who lived with a longing of his appearing. You see, we miss Pastor Colin. I miss him so much. I keep getting these questions, and like normally I'd say, Hey, Pastor Colin, can I go? Uh, yeah. Alright, okay. But actually, he's not wanting to come back. Because in some ways, just as Paul wasn't scared to go, he actually said, For your good, I'll stay. I think of that moment when Pastor Colin knelt down, <coughs> and... Um, And when he knelt down, he then suddenly opened his eye. And when he opened his eyes, he saw Jesus. Stay focused, this is the important part. Imagine that. All those years, he'd served and ran. All the stuff he'd put up with. And in that moment, just the other side of death in this life as we know it, he opened his eyes. And there was Jesus man. But Jesus was standing there, according to this, holding a crown with his name on it. But there's also a crown in store for every other person that lived in such a way that we longed for his appearing. There's a crown, man. There's a crown. Why do we do what we do? There's a crown laid up in heaven. But not everyone gets that crown. I know that we don't like that anti-socialist kind of gospel and all, but no, everyone gets the garment of righteousness through faith in the grace of God because it's inherent and it's a gift. But I don't believe everybody gets the crown. I believe the crown belongs to those who lived in such a way they were expecting his return. And they served his purposes and ran their lap on the earth. No guilt trips, no work doctrines. But sometimes when people have come to me, I think I didn't mean to say it sometimes, and I did. You know, when you do that, you're like, oh my, I should have watched that one. I've had people come to me and say, I can't wait until I get to heaven, and I hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. I say, well, just forgive me for a moment. When were you good? When did you serve? And when were you faithful? (laughs) Because God isn't going to go, oh, go on, have one anyway he can't lie and lying isn't in him. But actually, I want to hear those words more than any other. But those words belong to the one that lived for him on the earth. What we do in this life, every time we serve, every time we give, every time we spend ourselves, every time we do it again when my flesh didn't want to, we actually are securing a crown in heaven. But it says, Jesus, the righteous one, will give to us. Again, not dependent on the size of your platform, but on the size of your serving. Did you do what he asked you to do? Did you walk in obedience? Did you do what others didn't want to do? Listen, we've got to allow the winner's crown, the Stephanus, to replace in our hearts other incentives because then we won't give ourselves the luxury or the self-entitlement of things that we shouldn't even desire. We do it for him. Now, obviously, in the Bible, there's two crowns that are spoken of. There's the word diadem, which is the crown that belongs to Jesus. No one has that crown. That's, <coughs> that's the crown of all crowns. That's, that's, you know, we crown him diadem on his head. But the crown that's spoken of here by, by Paul is the crown that's called St- Stephanus, And it means the wreath or garland given as a prize to the victorious person that competed in public games. Jesus wants to remind us that there's a crown for each and every one of us. And all we need to do to get that crown is come out of lockdown and run like you've never run before. Don't try and match a previous lap. Come before the Father and say, this will be my best lap yet. Now, we need to set our hearts to run. Like it says, 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, don't run aimlessly. It's embarrassing if you saw somebody on the track running and going around in circles. Focus. Who on? The pace setter. Jesus Christ. What is he wanting me to do? What does his church need me to do? Remember, he's the head, the church is the body. It's not just about what the head needs you to do, it's about what the body of Christ needs you to do. Now, you know this stuff, you've sat under good leadership, but just reminding you of these things. But also, we understand that this crown is beyond any challenge that we face. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but you read about this crown, again, the word Stephanus in the book of Revelations, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. And it's that whole moment where it speaks about saints that went before us. And it was the church in the book of Revelations, Smyrna. And it's interesting that you see the pastor of that church deliver this message. And it's not his message, it's what Jesus told him to tell the people. And again, I won't spend ages on this, but it's important that we understand the lives of a great crowd of witnesses that are looking at us in our moment. But the pastor of the church in Smyrna that was apparently a, a spiritual son to John, he was one of John's spiritual sons, he stood in front of a church and said, it's written in red, I've got a message for you from Jesus. He said, they're coming to take us. And if they take you, Don't deny him for 10 days, and then there will be a crown that's given you, not Diadem Stephanus, the winner's crown. Now, background to that storyline, what was happening at that moment was the emperor thought he was God, and if you didn't worship him, you were taken and imprisoned and tortured for 10 days, you and your family. So there's no coincidence that he's saying, don't deny him for 10 days. And for 10 days, they would torture you and your family and all you had to do was deny that Jesus was was Lord and recognize the emperor as Lord. If you didn't, after the 10 days, it went one of two ways. Number one, you were burned at the stake. Your reward for not denying Jesus was you were burned at the stake or you were thrown in the Colosseum to entertain the masses as they uh, released lions and gladiators. So you had to go through ten days of torture and torment you and your family all because you were a follower of Jesus. Sometimes this makes our modern Christianity look quite pathetic, doesn't it, really? Even my own. But then if you didn't deny Jesus for ten days they would torture you by burning you at a stake or you were thrown in the Colosseum as entertainment to the Romans. And history records that I believe it was within two weeks they actually took the pastor of the church of Smyrna and he didn't deny Christ for ten days and they went to burn him but they couldn't get him to catch light. Remember he was a son of John a spiritual son of John and they had trouble boiling John to death in oil didn't they? And there was some residue of that anointing that was obviously on this pastor of Smyrna They, they, they couldn't burn him they couldn't get him to catch light so in the end they ran him through with swords But imagine if Pastor Judith or Andrea got up and said to you, hey church, got a letter for Jesus for you this week. They're coming. And all you've got to do is just stay focused on the King and eternity and what's the other side of a very painful doorstep. Thank the Lord we're not in those moments in this country at this time. At this time. But that doesn't mean it's not time for us to stand up for what we believe. Those people were forced to stand up because they knew that there was a crown to be won. Not of this life. See, most of you knew Pastor Colin very well, but you didn't have to be with him long to realize he wasn't living for anything in this life. Nothing. He loved his family, loved his friends, loved his ministers. But there was nothing in this life that was holding him because his heart had already gone to eternity. Yes, right. You know? Sometimes, you know, I hate I hate it when you deal with people when they have dementia and those kind of things. And uh, recently, one of our elders, his father passed away, and I said, he was reunited with his mind. You know, he was a God lover, which meant his mind had gone somewhere. And that moment he opened his eyes, he saw Jesus, but was also reunited with his mind that had left him. You see, we put so much perspective in the living life and we don't see it as the mere entrance chapter or introduction as it is. Listen, Pastor Colin, he must be a right state in heaven now. Can you imagine? Sometimes I do. It's like a couple of people after a funeral said, you know, are you sad? I said, I'm sad because I miss him, but that's just selfish grief, which is nothing wrong with that. I said, but every time I think of that moment he, He opened his eyes and saw Jesus. All sadness. Totally washed away. As he began to dance around in glory and lay before the throne for a few years. And, and, you know, can you imagine? And, of course, the joy of resurrection life and being a believer is we all know we'll see him again. But this is our lap now. It's not COVID season anymore. It's the time when God's doing something new on the earth. Maybe a million saints haven't discovered that and returned yet, but you have. Independent of things that you face, get a glimpse of a the crown. There's a crown. There's a crown. The Bible speaks also about the elders in this crown, and and then casting crowns and all that joyful stuff. You've got to have a crown to cast, right? <coughs> You know, Queen Victoria was an un, a very unusual lady, wasn't she? She really was. If you watch documentaries on her, really not good at raising children. She, she really wasn't. <laughs> I, I watched a documentary on a plane of how she, and I was like, bad mothering, bad mothering. But there's one thing that she said always stays in my heart. And she said this, Queen Victoria She said, I long for the return of Christ in my reign, that I may have the opportunity to cast this crown given me by men at his feet. I love that. See, I long for the return of Christ, that I may cast this crown given to me by men at his feet. So we're all going to get to heaven one day and apparently there's a big storeroom up there with so many crowns it's ridiculous, but everyone's got a name on it. And the righteous one, when we see him, gives us the crown if we run our race for him here. That race doesn't get you saved or not. That's positioning done through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the race of obedience. This is the things we did, the things we chose not to because we belong to him. Not talking about the throne that sends you to heaven or hell. That's secure in him, faith in Christ. I'm talking about Jesus says there's a crown. That stirs me up. There's a crown, there'd be won. Well, I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not, I'm not like, no, no, no. All you've got to do to get the crown is be faithful to the lap that he gave you. And run it with passion. But I'm speaking to the converted because you're already out of the prison cell of lockdown and the last season we've been through. Many people haven't made it out yet. But we have. But we just can't be aware of the moment we're in. We need to know what to do. We need to know what we do. The sons of Issachar knew the seasons but also how they should respond. I think we should stop for a cup of coffee or tea or something and then I just want to share quite a brief word with you when we come back about how we can focus now on the racetrack. And then um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know. Let's go and Go and tell everyone in the high street about my revelation of how you won before you were born. You want people to stop and listen to you when you're talking? That'll do it. That'll do it.